Hello and welcome to the Lost World Minute, the Minute by Minute podcast from the 1997 sequel Jurassic Park, One Minute at a Time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're here to talk about Minute 23 of the Lost World. Dave, how you been? I've been doing good. I had a kind of a lazy day today. Ah, uh, yeah, well, we are recording this on a Friday, so, or Thursday for you, Friday for me, so, yeah, no work today, a bit lazy. Yeah. Hence yeah. <laughs> by the yawn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone that hasn't been lazy though, hey, uh, Mattel. They've uh, there's some news has come out today. Um, I haven't looked at it personally, but David, you've had a read through it. What's uh, what's coming from Mattel's side of things for Jurassic World Two? Uh, well, the Jurassic Outpost po- uh, posted online that Mattel revealed some of their stuff at Toy Fair, and they didn't want to give away anything because of uh, spoilers, but. They mentioned that it's looks like that we got some cool stuff coming, and we got some playsets coming along, and we got human figures coming finally. Hasbro didn't give us those for Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. And they also revealed that not to get too much into hype though, because um, because we don't want there to be disappointed when the final product has like a bad paint job or anything. <laughs> but they said that the quality is going to be better. Is a little bit more cartoony than uh, than Hasbro's Jurassic World line, but the quality itself is better. Okay. Uh, cartoony just tells me um, it's kind of like Kenner. Kenner toys were very cartoonishly proportioned, large feet, large arms. Well, uh, the figures really didn't match the actors that all too well. Yeah, well, we also got that in the Jurassic World line for the uh, like the preschool stuff. Um, yeah. I think the bashes they were called the little the little animals were cartoony. Um, yeah. Now that's my only worry is that they're going that cartoony means that and not Kenner, you know? Yeah. Pachycephalosaurus, carnivore? Huh? No, no, herbivore, late Cretaceous. Ah! Uh, I also um, heard some Jurassic World news today. Uh, Real News Hawaii mentioned that there is, in fact, a gyrosphere that was loose in outside in the valley for some reason, and uh, it's been dressed up now, uh, and so it's got foliage, and the bunker has also been dressed up with foliage, and so we have that coming along on Hawaii. Yeah, they've... um. They've posted it, like, they're expecting shooting to begin in about five days um, from the time mm-hmm. of this recording anyway. So uh, Monday, Tuesday of next week, or actually the day this record, uh, the day you're listening to this when it's aired, um, filming should have begun on Hawaii. Um, yes, we've seen the finally dressed um, one of the bunkers with a uh, gyrosphere parked out beside it. So mm-hmm. um, that's interesting there. I sort of had the had the thought of maybe that uh, someone was left behind when the island yeah, was evacuated. Um, I've seen that uh, talked about too as well. Yeah, I can't recall if there was a scene where they said all the Jorosiers were back back home except for one, and that's when they went after Grey or the kids. Yeah, um, yeah I do remember that too. Yeah. It's a little contradictory, but we'll see where they're going with this. I, yeah. I see some uh, Bayona. Yeah, it could be... Um, they could retcon it a little bit to say, oh, no, there was one still out or something, because we know their uh, their tracking systems weren't the best there. Um, mm-hmm. Cell coverage and all that aside as well. 
So. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so their cell phones kept cutting out. Yeah, and we do know the little girl has a large, a large part in the film. Maybe she was left behind, and that's what uh, is sparking everyone to return to the island. It's sort mm-hmm. of, um, you know, I don't know if it was fan, fan fiction or if it was a uh, fan-made game. Um, the hunter left behind after the, in, lost, the lost world operation oh, harvest. Was, uh, there was trespasser. Oh yeah, yeah, in Trespass. Yeah. But there was another, there was Jurassic Survivor or something. Wasn't there something um, else where a hunter was left behind? I, I don't remember. Okay. Well, yeah, it was definitely brought up in Trespass or anyway. I thought someone made fan fiction or something to sort of tell more of that story, but I'm sort sure of fan fics have been written yeah, about it. Yeah, but this is sort of one People of those who things. Survive the long grass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. There's a there's a pretty big team, and we'll get to it in a future minute when they've got that T-Rex captured. Um, there's a lot of people there for what we thought died in the long grass, so but we can get that minute later. So yeah, it's good. We'll um we should start seeing some more stuff out of Hawaii soon for uh, filming. Yeah. This is where the fun begins. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, so if that's it for now, you want to uh, get into today's minute. Come on, let's go. Alright. As we enter the 22nd minute of The Lost World, we get our first look at the island's inhabitants and the stegosaurs slowly crossing the creek, not paying attention to human visitors. As we begin minute 23 of The Lost World, Eddie Nui collapses and goes yikes. And with a breath of mist, a fourth stegosaur cuts across the path behind where the people are standing giving us a great shot of the animal. At 20 minutes and 22 seconds, Nick Van Allen starts taking photos. Eddie says, this this is incredible. Malcolm starts walking in front of the two, slowly smiling. And then we get the famous trailer line. Oh yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and, and screaming. At 22 minutes and 37 seconds, Nick drops his camera bag and starts running after the animals to get a better shot. He jumps up onto a large log that's fallen across the stream and continues shooting animals from behind. At 22 minutes and 50 seconds, as he jumps up onto a larger log to continue shooting animals, we get our first reveal of Sarah Harding, also taking photos of departing animals. At 22 minutes and 55 seconds, Sarah hears Nick's camera shutter going off and turns to scare him. Hey Nick. Nick stumbles and nearly falls off the log. And this ends the 23rd minute of The Lost World. Uh, we start off start off minute 23 with uh, the stegosaurs continuing to walk down into the creek. They're joined by a third and then we get one come through behind the actors, sort of uh, blocking off their retreat. Mm-hmm. But um, there's no danger here. The, it's a great shot. Especially when you get that close-up of the stegosaur's hide. You've got the textures. Um, it's definitely yeah. a step up from the brachiosaur. And you see, like, little streaks of, I think, what might be bird poop that is kind of streaked across the back there. Yeah. From where the birds were sitting on the plates. Yeah. And it was, uh, it's... I remember reading a quote in the, the Lost World Dress Park entry of the uh, ILM history book. It was a book that came out a couple years ago about the history of uh, industrial lights and magic. Yep. And it talked about how they really went for a more documentarian style, especially with this scene in particular, 
overall with the whole film. It went for the style that would it kind of you could move the camera in a way that it looked like a documentary film that you would see on National Geographic or Discovery. And so he wanted to Spielberg wanted to be able to move the camera and point up and you look at the te- uh, the Stegosaurus plates and you can pull back and see them just moving as a herd mm. and they get that kind of you see that breath in the in that mist you see their mist uh, before they actually enter the frame yeah and that these are living breathing animals not just uh, numbers on a screen yeah that's one good one thing I do like when the uh, when the third one or fourth one comes behind the actors and you actually get that breath of mist first from mm-hmm. the Stegosaur before it reveals itself on the screen um, and you just get that pan that pan up with the camera it's it's one thing he done and sort of stick to in Jurassic Park and there's some times in this where he gets away from it where the camera's fixed from the human perspective and not the animals or not not a um, unrealistic um, perspective one of the main ones in Jurassic Park is uh, sort of up above the Jurassic gates where it's obviously a high crane shot or a helicopter shot but um majority of the filming in Jurassic Park and here now moving into the Lost World is from the human's perspective. So you, mm-hmm. you get that perspective of the dinosaurs. You get to see how tall they are, how tiny they are. Um, mm-hmm. Even later when we get to the roundup, like all the stuff during the roundups, all from sort of car height. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And now something interesting about the um, size of the dinosaurs from the Lost World is that they actually increased the size. I don't know why. But there's a chart, and I'll see if I can find it, where it shows off the um, normal size of a stegosaurus compared to a human. Then it gets, then they have two silhouettes, one slightly bigger, and then a large silhouette in black, which is the silhouette that they use, obviously, in the final film. Mm. Now, the scrapped animatronic stegosaurus for the scene was regular sized. It's like the toys. It's the, it's um the size you would expect from a normal stegosaurus. So I always thought that size discrepancy was kind of interesting. I wonder if they were going something um, along the genetic front, whether it was something because of uh, them being made, they were bigger than normal or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that definitely comes up in the uh, third film with the Spinosaur, but um, Eddie's reaction, the whale, like, he... Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, okay, probably not the same as uh, the Sam Neill reaction to the uh, Brachiosaur in the first film, but um, I believe it. It's believable. Yeah, it's um, definitely what my reaction would be. I'd just be breathless, speechless. Yeah. And a perfect example of that is Nick's not taking any photos yet. He's just in mm-hmm. awe as well. Um, yeah, he's, he's just sitting there stunned. He doesn't know what to do. He's seeing dinosaurs. He expected to see big iguanas. Yeah, yep. Um, like in the 1960 uh, version of The Lost World. Mm, yep. And then he finally starts taking photos as we get the... Uh, one of my favourite lines from the uh, film, the, ooh, uh, that's how it always starts, then later comes running and screaming. Uh, oh, yeah, I love that line, too. You can you can put that to any of the films, even Jurassic World. Um, it just mm-hmm. it just fits so well. It's a perfect line. And yeah. giving it to Malcolm to say. It's, it's, it's the one line I hope he brings back for Jurassic World 2. Mm-hmm. If, if he's, uh, he's going to be filming in Hawaii, which... As far as we know, he is. He's going to be... Because he's only just joined the crew, so... Mm-hmm. If um, if he's only just started the film now, and all his scenes are going to be on Hawaii, which is going to be good to see. 
also interesting on how they get him back, but, but time will tell, time will tell. Now, you brought up the uh, the first Brachiosaurus scene from Jurassic Park, and I always loved how this scene kind of mirrors that one a bit, because I've always loved that scene. That's probably one of my top five scenes from the first movie, if, is, and that's like in the number one or two spot is the opening scene, the musical swell yep. from and, uh, Welcome to Jurassic Park. And I love this scene because it kind of follows that same template with the slow reveal, and then you see the animals, and they get the speechless, uh, kind of breathtaking views of the animals themselves. And it just, it's such a wonderful beauty shot. Mm. Well, it sort of it mirrors each, other, each scene well, too, because in the first one, you got the vehicles driving through the field. Uh-huh. And um, Hammond telling the vehicles to stop. Sort of at that point, you've all right. You've seen the Raptor attack, but you don't really know what to expect on island. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas here, this whole thing set up is you're going back, you're going into danger. Malcolm's been saying all along that uh, this is dangerous, uh-huh. and then all of a sudden they hear the the rest of this large animal moving through the underbrush, um, mm-hmm. only to reveal. The stegosaurs coming out and into the creek, yeah. and then it's, yeah, instead of just having the one, you've got a, a family pot of them, as Sarah will describe later, um, which is sort of where we cut uh, after Hammond says "Welcome to Jurassic Park," and you get the pan across the lake with all the animals mm-hmm. there. But um, here they're up close, they're in, they're in frame, they're not fuzzy. There's no heat haze. It's uh, yeah, you got the camera looking up at the sun, so you've you've definitely got the. Uh, the textures on the animals. Um, again, most of the most of the dinosaurs FX shots in Jurassic Park taken were all at night time. Um, mm-hmm. But here, especially when we get to the uh, Operation Harvest, it's uh, it's all out in the day. Yeah. Um, out the bright yeah, sun. It's interesting. It's interesting how the um, this scene mirrors it, but also contrasts it in the way that in the first Jurassic Park, you're expecting the best from the scene. You're expecting to be wowed, but in this scene, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if it's a T-Rex coming out of those trees mm. or, or or a harmless herbivore, which we'll see later on aren't so harmless themselves. Yeah, yep. And then you get, at the end of it, you get Hammond's um, boisterous welcome to Jurassic Park. But here you get Malcolm cynical. <laughs> oh yeah, ooh, wow, that's how it always starts. And then later there's running and uh, screaming. Yeah, yep. And I think also the sort of the contrast between a big open field um, mm-hmm. with a large animal like the brachiosaur, whereas here you've got this sort of close, uh, tight, tight forested area. You've got a little stream. You haven't really got mm-hmm. much, much of an escape route, and you've got these large animals sort of in that greener colour. Like they blend in pretty well with the foliage, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always loved how they're going with that greener texture here, uh, especially when we get to the T-Rexes later. Just the animal designs. I love it. Yeah. They do modify these Stegosaur designs later on for Jurassic World, which, uh, yeah, weren't a, weren't a big fan of. But um, they cut some costs where they could. And, um, yeah, I think I love Olive Drab so much just because of this movie. This movie yeah. and Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. 98 Godzilla. Ah... Yes, I also enjoy that film too. <laughs> and there goes half our listeners. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, where we got? Uh, 
we also then we get uh, Nick jumping up on the log, taking photos of the animals as they sort of uh, walk away into the jungle. It um, being being ninety eight, I'm guessing or ninety seven, ninety six. This would all be uh, film and not digital at this point. So you've yeah. only got a finite amount of film on you, and you're going to be taking photos of the backsides of animals as they walk away. Uh-huh. <laughs> that just seemed a bit weird, and then we get uh, Sarah doing exactly the same thing in a bit as well. But as as you said, I suppose we're getting into it the uh, the next minute with um, documentary side of things. It's just all photos, really. We we get Nick. He pulls out his little camcorder here in a minute. That's uh, probably good for an hours hours record on long play. Teenagers go back to the nineties and realise what all that was. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, back then we were limited to how much we could record. Um, but yeah, just taking photos there. If he jumps up here, um, and we get uh, Sarah Scarum introduction to Sarah Harding, which uh, yep. with with a little hey Nick joke and uh, scares him, which <laughs> uh, and the minute ends off with her laughing about it. Hey Nick! <laughs> it's sort of. Shows her straight up to be sort of fun, uh, fun bubbly, joke, jokey, um, mm-hmm. not not someone I'd expect to have been on the island for a couple of days. Not uh, someone that studies African predators. Um, definitely not how she is in the book, anyway. I suppose yes. that's that's what I'm trying to get to. Slowly, we get more of that in the next minute. Um, so uh, yeah, Julianne Moore here. I've um, I know she was in the uh, one of the Silence of the Lambs films. Again, one of those actresses that does sort of movies. I'm not really, um, not, aren't really on my watch list. I think she's nominated, Academy Award nominated. I don't think she won. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I probably should have checked that on IMDb, but anyway. Um, so it's just good, like um, like Pete Possefite and that. They got some uh, some big gun actors actors in this film. Um, and I think it pays off in the end. Although uh, character motives and character decisions later on in the film will be questioned. I can assure you of that. Uh, I wasn't able to get to this location myself when I went to the Redwoods. But I know somebody who has, and I'll post up some of his pictures up on the Facebook page when this episode goes live. And his um, he, he found, he acknowledged it was actually a really hard spot to find. It's, uh, it's off behind a campground of some sort, and there's a ton of campgrounds in the Redwoods. I'm not sure which one he was behind. And um, and so I, the log was still there, that big giant log that they're, uh, yep. they all stand on. Yep. That log was still there at the time he went there. It was mm. like in 2007, 2008. Yeah. And so he, he described that this log was huge. It was gigantic. Well, I remember that, and first of all, some of these redwoods can get up to 20, 30 feet wide at the base. Mm. So you got to consider that. Uh, they probably had to have like ladders or step stools or something hidden away behind the foliage for these actors to get up on there. <laughs> Even though Vince Vaughn is one of the taller actors in Hollywood. He's like six-something. Well, yeah, he's probably the one most qualified to leap up onto that that giant log um but it, yeah that's interesting now you probably well, it's pretty safe to assume that there is some sort of um step or platform on the other side of that log for him to step up on to uh to get on top of that tree mm-hmm. 
again a tree that big it's going to slowly rot um it's not gonna it's not gonna wash away in floodwaters anytime soon so that's um, something that's going to stay there for a while um which is good yeah. Un- unlike the uh the galamimus log on uh mm-hmm. hawaii that sort of rotted away and they've just got to stand in every now and then for it um that's uh, something else you can go you can stand on it you can hey nick and um, get some photos taken if you can find yeah. it. Because um, I think Plus, redwoods are a very dense wood. Yeah. So they they take a long time to decompose. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, that's it. it. What those trees might stand for over a hundred years or a few hundred mm-hmm. years. Um, they also, when they come down, they'll stay around for a few hundred years as well. Well, they're fire resistant. They have like a resin in their um, bark that. Keep some fires and they'll get hit by lightning all the time. Oh, okay, yep. You'll go there and you'll see how redwoods are just giant burn marks all over them, but they're still standing. Yeah. Oh, nice. Because I know when I used to work in the forestry up in the hills, you'd see um, in the pine forests, mm-hmm. you'd just see big sort of circles or big blobs of dead pine trees in amongst the forests where lightning had struck and sort of just killed everything in a 30 or 40 foot diameter perimeter around it. No, um, unlike most pine trees, uh, redwoods are very resilient, mm. which is why they're so valued for the wood and why they've been cut down so much. Yeah, true, true, and why they're still here. Mm-hmm. Why they're uh, you got you got those parks there that are trying to preserve what's left of those old growth forests. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now I know um, we'll we'll get some photos of this scene and. Uh, what's going to come up in the next couple of minutes with the um, rest of the stegosaurs? But uh, there's there's a few a few shots out there, production shots of uh, guys walking around with uh, sort of silhouettes of the uh, bony plates on sticks, just for height, oh, yeah. so actors yep. can get their uh, eye lines in. Um, mm-hmm. Especially when Sarah has to start uh, running from one shortly. But I think it was the uh, here when they're walking with Sarah, or before when they. Uh, discover the stegosaurs walking across. It's actually right beside a footbridge. Yeah, it is. It was called Stego Bridge by the uh, cast and crew because they had this uncanny resemblance to a stegosaurus. Mm. Ironic. Yeah, and we'll, we'll find the photos for all these and post them up on the Facebook group. Um, yeah. And Instagram. So well, I got uh, plenty of photos from that shoot. Yeah, I'll post plenty of them. Yeah, yeah, in the next couple of minutes as well while we're in this area. Um and get some more when you're there and the other the other fellow that was there. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of what the creek looks like now and later on and maybe even get a uh, location for it so anyone in the area can uh, go along and take your own photo, mm-hmm. take your own snaps from the area. Yeah. But uh, apart from that, anything else you want to add to this minute? Yeah, I think we're good. All right. All right, guys. Let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. Email feedback to the Lost World Minutes at gmail.com, Facebook The Lost World Minutes, Twitter at The Lost World Minutes, and Instagram The Lost World Minutes. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. 
These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.